This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle or War Eagle? That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. So we've, we've got Greg Williams here. He's the uh, head coach for Auburn Equestrian. Of course, a lot of you who keep up with Equestrian, you know, you see the wins and, and the undefeated season uh, in 2019. Then, of course, the follow-up with the undefeated season here in 2020 before the season was canceled before the postseason. And you go, wow, that's great. That's awesome. And you go to Tumor's Corner and you, you roll the trees and celebrate. But what exactly is equestrian? You know, there's a lot of events there, and how's it scored? How do you train for it? I think it's very interesting to kind of look into that because I don't think we talk about it enough as sports writers, but also the fans, um, maybe, maybe they don't understand it quite a bit. So Greg Williams is here with us to, to chat about that. Greg, I guess, you know, listen, tell us a little bit about yourself how you got into this and you know kind of did you ever expect it to maybe be a career for you um well i got my love for horses from my mom that's uh that's always been her passion and so um horses became a big part of my life as soon as we could get in it and um it has been my only profession as an adult um uh, it's it's uh you know, showing horses and even rodeoing, um, both aspects are important to me. That's how my wife and I met. We were horseback when we met and um, at the high school rodeo finals, actually. And so we both uh, competed. We both also showed horses. Um, then I made that my career. I was a professional trainer. Um, I was still really young when I came to Auburn. I didn't intend to get out of training that early. I really enjoyed that occupation. But... Um, Auburn called, said they wanted to do something with a horse program, and would I come back? And I told him, you know, I told my wife, I said, this job won't come open again in our lifetimes. So if we're going to raise our kids in Auburn, this is the only way I can do it with horses. So uh, we came back, and it was really running a teaching and research program, um, which I, I dearly love, and I have high aspirations to to continue working with that mm -hmm. teaching program too. Uh, the coaching came about I had always you know I had clients when I was a trainer I was still always working with with kids but uh college equestrian was uh still somewhat new um it wasn't uh it wasn't really large and it wasn't really on the you know forefront of some of the top riders in the country at the time uh, but we started a, a club team and and it quickly 
uh, grew from that. And the one thing that I was I always studied other coaches and I studied other sports, some of the more successful sports. And I just saw a way that I thought we could change the way that it, the, the competitions were done, where you could go head to head on the same horse and make the horse a, a neutral piece then instead of having the luck of the draw. So I think if I, if there's even one thing that I'm really proud of after starting this team at Auburn, the most important thing I've done was really um, creating this style of competition and, and, the, the other coaches across the country that have adapted it and, and uh, you know, this is how we compete in the NCAA now. They've done an incredible job of continuing to grow, grow this sport. So that's, um, that's kind of how it started in a, in a nutshell. No, uh, to, be a, to be a college coach wasn't in my plans, but it is uh, – you talk about somebody that gets to live the dream, I'm doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's, it's incredible how – you kind of go about something and you go into a, an industry and then you end up doing mm -hmm. that, but also you're part of the, not necessarily solution, but in developing it, as you just kind of mentioned, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This way, about way it. we do it, it's all brand new. So, but it was, you know, there's a lot of, of uh, you know, tremendous amount of hard work. I mean, we kind of started it from, yeah. from nothing. And back then I was still uh, just managing the horse center. I was coaching uh, I was still even shoeing all the horses back then for free. So it was uh, definitely a one-man show. And now look at the staff that I've got now. There's uh, uh, It's going to be able to hit just some some um, heights that I didn't – I don't want to say that I never dreamed it because I've always dreamed of it. You know, I'm always thinking of what's next and what's the possibilities. And, and um, yeah, it is some of the really bigger dreams, though, are, are, have come true for sure. Now, so when – when you talk about developing how competition and everything and the rules are, I guess, kind of explain that to, to the fans exactly what went into that, what that entails and how that's translated to today. Well, there's a, there's another association uh, called the IHSA it was the only existing one at the time. And, uh, you know, I still, uh, you know, like what that stands for. Uh, we even have a club team. That's what our club team competes in is in the IHSA. I just wanted one. I just wanted one to where you didn't have any skill levels whatsoever. You just uh, fielded the best team you could, and also I wanted to see the riders go head to head on the same horse and uh, just to, to equal the playing field. And it is still, it's still, it's extremely hard to win on the road because the the home team has the home horse advantage. They know the horses, and uh, you know I liken it to be like uh, shooting basketballs or something. If, you know, the home team knows what kind of basketballs are using, they practice with, with that size ball. All of a sudden you get there and, and you've still got to make it happen, even though it's, uh, it's something you're not used to playing with or different golf clubs and things like that. So everywhere they go, they got to be used to, to playing with the unknown. And, and I think that's something that's been, um, you know, a testament to what we've done with, with, uh, the coaches, coach Manili and coach Braswell is really trying to find the players, uh, that are best suited to be able to do that, that, that uh, can ride anything. I mean, they're, they're like many professionals. So yeah, go, go into that a little bit because uh, even my brief understanding of it, when you go on the road, you're using other horses. I, that just seems almost impossible to me because of like the relationships you develop with the, the yep. horses you yeah. have well, at home. It is. I mean, it's a it's only a four minute warm up, and I've got a lot of my a lot of the parents of some of my riders are professionals. And, uh, you know, it's really fun to talk to them. I, it just, I mean, it was just in California uh, this year. I was talking to one of those and I said, does it not amaze you every time what your daughter and her friends do? And he was just, oh my God. He said, I, I mean, 
there just aren't many professionals that can get this done on a consistent basis like they do. But, you know, in addition to their competing on their own, this is what they train for uh, every day at Auburn is, is we have the ability to ride a lot of different horses. So they're constantly what, and, and these horses are pretty tough too. I mean, you know, typically when you get horses donated, they're at kind of the end of their career. They're maybe either burnout or they're, um, they have an injury that we can work through, but you can't do it, you know, when they're having to compete uh, all the time. You know, we, we, we are the, we are the uh, rescue program for ex-show horses, I like to say. So uh, we give them a, a great job. They get to be in a semi-retirement, still have a purposeful life and, and um, have 40 girls that love all over them all the time as well. So it is, it is a, a amazing how that they can go on the road and do what they do. And having been a, you know, he, you know, been a professional myself, it's just, it amazes me still just to watch what they get done. So how many horses do you guys have and what's the upkeep like with that? And as you mentioned, you know, I, I guess there's some of them are donated. How did you guys go about that? And mm -hmm. like you said, sometimes you get horses that are injured and everything and you have to work through that. I mean, there's so much that goes into that, that I, I'm not even aware of. Right. Well, everything that we get is donated. I mean, that's one of the things that's, uh, you know, important to us that we, you know, we have to be, uh, we have to be cost affordable. And that's something across the country. If you look at the teams, because we have an industry base behind us uh, that does a lot of donations, a lot of people don't realize that um, per head, per head athletes, we're usually the second or third most cost effective sport next to like football at universities but it's because we have an industry behind us it's a unique industry brings in a new unique set of donors those unique set of donors are also the ones that donate these horses so uh, we're very dependent um you know on that uh, on those as well our we have a unique situation here is that we use one group of horses that we we have for our ncaa team for our ihsa team and our teaching program uh, and a new program we're working on uh, forming with uh, the vet school is this uh, sports medicine program. So, uh, so we have about 60 horses that can cover all those programs. So that also allows us to do a lot of uh, effective cost sharing in that as well. Upkeep's got to be incredible for the staff, right? I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's something like right now when we've got these shutdowns university wide, we, uh, you know, that place doesn't. It's, it runs it runs 365 days a year, and so I've got an incredible team out right now, and I'd love to give a uh, shout out to Lisa Dorsey and Katie Renfro and Jay Baker right now for what they're doing. Plus, I've got two student workers out there that are working with them. And we're trying to stay away right now as coaches, which is a little bit of a guilt feeling <laughs> that, that you can't be out there helping them. But I said, right now, we got to keep two crews. One of them's got to be healthy. So we're trying to keep all coaches away. So if something happens to uh, our horse center crew and, and they get sick, then we will move in and start taking care of the horses. You'll get back to your old days of having to do that. I know, I know. I, I, I know they'd all look at me and say, yeah, at least one, we weren't doing it now. But um, I can figure it back out pretty quick. I actually did. I had a lot of fun during Christmas. I went out there and cleaned stalls and stuff on that's what I did on Christmas Eve and Christmas day was just to help work out at the barn. And my wife and I out there doing that, we said, it was just a lot of fun for us. Um, obviously there's a lot of, you have to have a lot of love for, for the animals and, and all of that. What's it like for yourself and, and the girls year to year being around these horses and trying to develop a relationship with them and the trust factor and everything? 
Well, I think that's something to be at this level. That's just, you know, they've all got it. They, they, I mean, it's ingrained in them and they can't help it. It's like being addicted to a drug or something that if you've got the horse bug, I, I, you know, when I do a lot of camps and clinics, I get to talk to the parents and I say, I know some of you think what on earth has happened to my daughter. And I said, the, I, the only thing I can tell you is they can't help it. You see a lot of kids get involved with it. most people like horses and, uh, Will Rogers always had one of the best statements outside of horses, good for the inside of a man. And I think those of us that have this uh, affinity for horses, that's what it is. It, you just, your life doesn't feel complete if you're not around them somehow. And uh, even though I don't even ride anymore, I, you know, I think one day I'll probably get back into riding for fun, but it, it's just the being around it. It's, it's, uh, it's something I have to have in my life. And so these girls feel the same way. They're, um, they're not just driven to compete. They're driven to, to be around horses. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Now we hear some of the the events like raining and all that. Right. Go through the events and what exactly those entail, how they're scored, because I, I still don't understand how they're scored, how many people score and all that. Is there okay. a home advantage to that, or is it just because of the different horses that maybe you go, okay, we're going to have some, you know, quirks here and there? But explain, I guess, the events, the scoring system how that all came about, how it's transformed and, and kind of, I guess, you know, when you go out there day to day, do you know what kind of to expect based off your performance or is it still a lot subjective like you see in, you know, say in ice skating, for example, or even gymnastics? Right. Well, you know, talking to the gymnastics coaches, sometimes I don't think we're as subjective as, as theirs is, but, uh, yeah. uh, you know, I guess it depends on, on how you feel. Certainly there are some judges that I feel like can't get some biases out of the way maybe, but, uh, you know, for the most part, the best rider wins usually. And if you do have human error, um, and it would probably take away the flow and, and fun of it. If you video reviewed everything, there's of course a lot of things that if you could show a judge, a video of it again yeah they would pick up more penalties and things but uh you just kind of kind of go go with what you you've got in that but there are there are there are uh two disciplines um there's uh what we always called is hunt seat equitation now the u.s united states equestrian federation has asked us to refer to that as jumping seat equitation now so that's new for us this year we're trying to get used to that term but it's kind of their olympic tracking is what they're using that class for is jumping seats. So you hear that, it's not, not that the, the event hasn't changed, it's just the, the name of it. But so in our jumping seat equitation, we have uh, over fences and on the flat. The over fences is something that, uh, you know, people think naturally, well, they're gonna jump as long as they don't knock the rails down, then they're being scored the same. But no, they're actually still being judged. 
how they how they get that horse to leave the ground, how it lands, how it tracks to the next fence. It's got to do it in the exact number of strides. I mean, so there's a lot going on. And um, the most amazing part about our sport, if you know it, and most confusing part if you don't, is everything is going great as long as you can't see any work being done. And so right. yeah. it's kind of like a duck duck on the water. You know, they may be uh, paddling like heck underneath, but it's got to they got to make it look easy. So that's when you see them. You come out, they're actually out of breath because they're trying to move around a pretty tough horse uh, through a lot of these courses. So that's the, the over fences is uh, judged, and it's just it's a score that um, we use United States Equestrian Federation judges, and they score that just like they would in the industry is, uh, you know, what they think that score should be. The equitation on the flat, they judge each maneuver from a score of zero to 10. And so then that's a, a cumulative score in, in, the, in the end. Then you move over to the Western events. The Western events are, you know, the cowboy hats, shaps, and, and um, you know, bigger saddles with a saddle horn on it. There's two events in that. The reining, which uh, looks almost like figure skating on a horse. It's got the fast run downs, the sliding stops, fast spins. Um, then the horsemanship, which is a, a, it's also a pattern as well, but it's just done in a lot uh, slower gates. So both of uh, the reining and, and the horsemanship is you, you start with a basic score of 70 and you go plus one and one and a half. You can go up to plus one and a half for a maneuver down to minus one and a half for a maneuver, but you can do zero or plus half or minus half or whatever. And by the end, so you're basing it off a score of 70. And uh, in the end, with, with how many pluses you've got or how many minus you've got, plus any penalty deductions, that's your score. So, you know, most of the decent rides are going to be, you know, inching up around the 75 mark on horsemanship and, you know, probably around 72 or so for the 72, 73 on the reining. Um, the penalties, it's a long assessment of penalties that you can get. So that part would matter. And the other thing I encourage people to do too is we love to talk about our sport. So you can find parents, you can even find parents on the other team. Anybody would love to tell you what's going on. And that is one of the fun things to do is when they're showing exactly what the horse is doing before they do it. And then you realize every one of those movements, every time they change leads, every time they land a certain way after every fence, the rider's telling them to do that. So uh, that does help a lot if somebody will show you in real time what's going on. So last season, you guys went undefeated. First team, I believe, in college history to go undefeated. Right, right. Mm -hmm. um, won yet another national championship. This year, you guys were undefeated going into the SEC championships. But, of course, with the threat and the spread of the, the coronavirus, that was canceled. The entire postseason was canceled, like right. uh, everything else. I'm sure there's disappointment. What was that like? And what's, what was it like for the girls, you know, having to chat with them about all that? Well, it's, it's disappointing. I mean, it was, I mean, I, I felt like, yeah, you know, last season I said this was the strongest team that I thought had ever been assembled in our sport. And this year, this year's team was performing even better. I mean, I, I have never felt as confident as I did going into this postseason. So yeah, it was kind of devastating on that part. I hated not being with them. I mean, you know, we weren't together when all this happened. So um, that part was really disappointing. But I, I think the – I don't think any of us lost sight. Pretty early we just realized there's there's bigger problems going on. So, um, you know, it's uh, – you know, I hope, I hope these girls get, you know, recognition for what they accomplished. But we'll worry about that later. Uh, it's – there's just too, too big of issues to even – 
for us to focus, I, I think, on ourselves and every all the girls I've talked to. It's, uh, you know, sure they wanted to ride more. I mean, that that's, that's what we do. And, and we really wanted, we re, as good as we were, we really wanted those rides to, to get to play out. But I, I just, I just feel like we're, I think the bigger issues just have, have uh, dominated our thought process. So I've always wanted to know, how do you, how do you guys come up with the names for the horses? You know, I hear, uh, I hear Waffle and all, all these great names. Uh, a lot of, most of them are called by their barn names. Like when we get them donated, you know, they'll have a barn name. Uh, most horses have a registered name and then kind of a barn name. And typically we try to keep them uh, what they are when people, when they're donate them, just whatever the, the people that donate them called them. There every now and then they'll, there'll be a name that we just don't feel like we can live with and the girls will change it to something. But uh, um, typically we just use what they're donated, donated as. What are the most creative names you've come across in your career? You know, I think some of my favorites are actually the uh, um, names that some of the uh, show horses, they also have barn names, but they also have show ring names. They don't have to be introduced in the show ring. And, you know, some of them you can tell that the dads had a hand in it. I've seen a lot of these at the, at the, at the shows, like there goes my lake home. Um, it's one of the, one of the ponies <laughs> names. And, uh, typically, uh, you know, when, when an announcer says, they'll say now ending the ring is Greg Williams riding uh, Ontari or something like that. And so a friend of mine named his, his name, uh, called his horse like an idiot. So that every time he was showing it, he says, man, his name's Mark Riker. He said, uh, now entering the ring is Mark Riker riding like an idiot. So <laughs> that, was, that one still stands out as my favorite. That's great. That's awesome. Um, so for, for the folks that are listening and watching, if they want to learn more about the sport and follow it, what do you kind of suggest that they do? Well, we're actually hoping to put together kind of an, uh, a follow up with, with this. I mean, you know, this, this, what you're doing right now is we want to probably put something together that we can have maybe on the video board, maybe on our website, just, uh, um, not just, uh, not just in words, but actually have some little video descriptions of what's going on. Uh, the, still the most important thing is, is to come out that the reason I feel like we get the big crowds isn't because they understand everything about horses. It's just, we just want it to be a fun atmosphere for kids. Yeah. You know, we want to have the horseback rides. We want it to be fun family events. And, um, I'm an Auburn kid, you know, I did a lot of growing up here. So this was moving home for me. And, uh, that's the biggest thing I remember, uh, uh, you know, our, our athletes come to our schools, but just programs that went on. And so I really just want our girls to give back like that. Cause I know what it's like to be a kid in Auburn. And, uh, it just means so much to the families. If you can make it fun for their kids, you're taking care of the families. So how many national champ, more cha national championships you got in you? Uh, I don't know. I had this one this year. I felt like those. So yeah. we're, we, you know, I feel like we could be good for a while because we really, um, a lot of cause we had to, uh, I've had I've been blessed with a lot of good coaches around me at Auburn that let me pick their brains all the time. I study because if you look at all the history and and if you just followed all the uh, the tracings of all the great coaching wisdom that goes down to each one of these coaches here through the years, I just tried to fast forward that into into our sport, you know. So I just try to I pick their brains like crazy. So I feel like the culture that we've got. Um, all, is going to going to be sustainable for a while. Got an incredible staff, 
and this town and university are great for the sport. I mean, most of the most of the people really they're from all over the country and really didn't know much of anything about Auburn. But when they come and they they see it, um, they fall in love with it. So it's a it's a great fit for our sport. Great, Greg Williams. Thank you so much for doing this for us, teaching us a little bit, and sharing some stories. And you know, people see, oh wow, they're they're undefeated and all that, but. You know, I know people get to go to some of these events, but I know a lot of our readers and readers across the country just maybe don't quite understand it. They just think someone gets on a horse, jumps over a fence, as you yeah. said, and, you know, okay, they didn't knock the bar down, so they, they're winning. There's a lot that goes into it, and uh, it's a beautiful sport, you know, to watch, and I recommend to anybody that if you, if you haven't gone out or you need to go check it out because it's really a beautiful sport to watch. No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go Undercover with Auburn Undercover. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.